0: today on bread for the broken with James Grizzle pastor of Calvary Chapel Galveston
1: you will have trouble that was a promise that he had made to his his followers he, he didn't say he oh, you know all you all you disciples of mine because you Give your life to me, and because you trust me, your, your life's going to go super easy. All things will work out. Uh, yes, all things work out to the good for those who are called according to His plan and His purpose. Yes, amen to that for sure. But it doesn't mean it's smooth sailing and everything's coming up as roses and daisies. And following Christ is difficult.
0: It's challenging. In case you haven't learned by now, following Christ is difficult. As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he shares that sometimes people can mistakenly think that because they love Jesus, that somehow their life is going to be total bliss. Well, it's simply not true. Jesus says in the Word that in this life you will have trouble, but to take heart because He has overcome the world. Pastor James encourages you that being a follower of Jesus will have its challenges, but the trials will be totally worth it. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 11, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We
2: need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken.
1: If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to... The Gospel of Mark chapter 11, the verse 1 of chapter 11, it says, As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of them on ahead. And he, he commissions these guys. He says, Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say the Lord has need of it, and we'll re- and and we'll return it soon. So, so they're going into Jerusalem. They're kind of in the outskirts of Jerusalem. They're making ready the preparation of this triumphal entry. Jesus, knowing all things, knows that hey, there's this there's this young donkey, colt, right? He he's tied up. He's never been ridden before. But he's in this town. I want you two to go in there and to secure this donkey. And when its owners ask you, what are you doing? Because Jesus, again, knowing all things, here's what you're going to tell them. We're not stealing this donkey, right? This is not a you know carjacking of the donkey sword or anything like that. This is the Messiah, the master, right? He, he has need of it. The Lord has need of it, but we're going to bring it back. OK, so that's what's so cool about this story is these two disciples have to go. They have to go by faith, right? They're trusting in the word of Jesus, OK, to go find this donkey, exactly as Jesus said it was going to happen, and trusting that these owners are, in fact, going to honor that. And, you know, and during the Passover time, I mean, you know, a lot of this stuff was, was a lot of hospitality being uh, exercised, I guess. Uh, and so it probably wouldn't have been a big issue for them to borrow this donkey, but they, they still had to trust. They still had to go trusting Jesus at his word. OK, um, and which kind of beautifully sums up our walk with Jesus quite often. I think um, there are many times where he asks us to trust him at his word. Even when we can't, see, we can't see down the road, we don't know that that donkey is actually there. We don't know that the response from the people who own the donkey is actually going to be favorable. But we have to trust him. We have to trust him. And thats he's constantly asking us just to trust him. And these two disciples, they had to trust him. Uh, we, it doesn't tell us who these disciples were, as far as Mark's account goes. Um, could have been two of the twelve. We're not exactly sure which two or anything like that, but they are commissioned to go get this. It says, verse 4, the two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying the colt? Like, or, what are you guys doing? Are you trying to steal that colt? Colt? Or are you trying to steal this donkey? So says they said what Jesus had told them to say. That's always a good idea for you and I. Just say what Jesus said okay don't don't add to when it comes to like sharing scriptures and all that good stuff, just stick to the script, right like just just quote the Word of God, you don't need to add to it you, you can't number one, there's a warning concerning not adding to the word and taking subtracting away from it or anything like that. I'm not talking about altering the scriptures at all. I'm just saying when sharing the scriptures with somebody, just stick to the text. Just stick to the text. And they told these guys exactly what Jesus had told them to say. They stuck to what he had said. They trusted in what he had said. And it says they were permitted to take it. And they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their garments over it, prepared it for him to be able to sit on, and he sat on it. Right? So the scene has been set. They're outside of Jerusalem. Now they have the colt. They have the colt dressed, so to speak, um, with their cloaks over there, so providing a a cushion or somewhat of a saddle for Jesus to sit on, as he's going to ride on this colt into Jerusalem. This is an an amazing thing, because on this specific day, as Jesus is going to be riding into Jerusalem, it's the same day that all the Passover lambs meant for sacrifice, we're going to be entering into Jerusalem as well. And here is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. As John the Baptist would say, behold the Lamb of God, right? The perfect sacrificial lamb is going to be entering Jerusalem on this exact same day. We also know from Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, I'm going to read that to you guys. just so you just so we understand the the brilliance here of the precision of of all these events, but daniel nine twenty four through twenty seven a period of seventy sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, and to bring in in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most holy place. now listen and understand. Seven sets plus seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. It says after this period, the 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will rise over or will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. And the end will come with a flood, and the war or end war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty treaty with the people for a period of one set of sevens. So and now we're getting into tribulation time for aim here, but obviously the first part of that was concerning Jesus. Arrival to Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. Now, this verse twenty-seven, the tribulation type stuff. And it says, "To these, make a treaty with the people for one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him." Okay, so. Just amazing, uh, absolutely amazing prophecy that's given here in Daniel. Now, it had some historical immediate fulfillment. We know that with uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, and he went into the temple and defiled it and all that good stuff. And then, of course, in eighty seventy, 70, uh, the temple would be completely destroyed. So we know that there was some historical fulfillment to these things, but then we know in the end times a new temple will be constructed, and at the halfway point of that seven-year tribulation period, the Antichrist will—he'll desecrate the temple. There would be the uh, abomination of desolation that takes place there. Okay, and that would be the final—the final one there. But just uh, amazing these. 62 sets of seven, and all this 480 years. And Nehemiah chapter 2 with Artaxerxes in 444 BC, he gave the decree, 483 years equals Nisan 10, and that would be 33 AD. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, speaks of the spotless lamb. And this, as we are looking in Mark chapter 10, or I'm sorry, chapter 11, is again the very day that all this stuff was talked about that the spotless lamb Jesus who comes to take away the sins of the world rides into Jerusalem on a donkey amazing amazing accuracy with with all of this stuff and, and you can't i you can't make this up like you know there's, there's no way Jesus could manipulate these dates or it, it just it would be impossible he he accomplished this thing on this day because he is the Son of God. He's the sovereign Son of God in full control and shows up on the exact day he's supposed to show up. It's just amazing. And so as we progress through the story, verse 8 says, many in the crowd showed uh, spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches, palm branches, Uh, that they had cut in the fields. And Jesus was in the center of the procession. And the people all around him were shouting, praise God, or Hosanna. Right? Hosanna means save now. Save us now. Praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor, David. Now I'm reading from New Living Translation. This phrase is a little bit different than what you'd be used to with your New King James or your... ESV or maybe an NIV. Um, I just I like NLT saying the same thing essentially. Praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heavens. So what we have there is uh, <clears throat> obviously it's a another reference. And, and let me read to you from Zechariah nine nine just real quick as we understand. Uh, this prophecy fulfillment from from Zechariah. Zechariah nine says, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout and triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is and always will be righteous and victorious, by the way. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So that was Zechariah 9.9 we saw just fulfilled. <clears throat> I'm also going to turn to Psalm 118, because I want to read to you from this Hello uh, Psalm, the Psalm of Ascent, just so you can uh, see this reference as well, okay? So Psalm 118, verse 24, you can turn there with me if you would like, or just take a little note of this. Psalm 118, verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, right? So this is a Obviously, a song if you've grown up in church that has been sung, I guess, many times. Uh, Not so much anymore, but um, this is in reference to this, this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The king has arrived. The sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for our sins, the solution for our greatest problem, which is our separation from our creator, who is God, that separation was sin, Jesus has come to solve that greatest problem within our lives. And he's come to bridge that uh, cavernous chasm, I guess you could say, uh, between us and God. Your good works would never be able to do it. Your, Your best ability to fulfill the law would never be able to do it because you've already broken the law. But the one who has never broken the law the one who never sinned the one who knew no sin became sin so that we might be restored essentially as the individual aspect you you are made new you're made into a new creation but you're you're brought back into this right relationship with a holy god and that's all based on what jesus has done for us that's what there's that's that's what that's the idea here that's what we know to celebrate from this passage of scripture. However, the crowds who are throwing this parade, so to speak, and chopping down palm branches, and, and throwing their cloaks in the middle of the road, and you know all that good stuff, doing this celebration, which they should have been doing, some within this crowd are going to be greatly disappointed with Jesus, because he's not, he's not the Savior they, th- they thought he should be. He's going to end up being not not really the Messiah that they were looking for. They weren't looking for the suffering servant. They were looking for the conquering hero. They had their hearts set upon, if he's the Messiah, if he is Yeshua, then he's going to come and he's going to kick out these Roman uh, soldiers and and occupiers, and we will get our city back. We will get our country back back. That's what the Messiah is going to do. That's what he's supposed to do. And that is true. But before he comes as the conquering king, he must show up as the perfect sacrifice. And that's what they missed. That's what they missed with Jesus within this story. That's, this is a beautiful story, but it's also very tragic. Because here is Jesus showing up. And people are saying the right words. But they have no idea who he really is. The danger for you and I, and for anybody who spends any certain amount of time within a church, is becoming so familiar with Jesus, the idea of Jesus. But when he doesn't come through for you like you think he should, sometimes it doesn't take too long for, for individuals like that to turn their back on him. Right? We need to see Jesus for who he truly is. and for who He truly is. He truly is the Son of God. He truly is the Messiah. He is Yeshua. He is the perfect propitiation, the perfect sacrifice for our sins, who had to die, but was buried, and was resurrected, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. Right? But as the conquering king, He will return. That's who He is. He also made these bold statements and these bold claims that nobody comes to the Father but through him. He is the door, right? He's the, he's the, he's the good shepherd. He also would say in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the way, the truth, and the, the life, right? He's, he's, he's the resurrection, he would also say. Like he made all these great I am statements, He's the light of the world. Right? I mean, just beautiful these statements. That's who he is. We need to know who he is. And to go back to that commission that he had on those disciples, we need to trust him at his word. Trust him at his word. In this life, you will have trouble. That was the promise that he had made to his his followers. He, he didn't say, hey, you know, all you all you disciples of mine, because you Give your life to me, and because you trust me, your, your life's going to go super easy. All things will work out. Uh, yes, all things work out to the good for those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. Yes, amen to that, for sure. But it doesn't mean it's smooth sailing, and everything's coming up as roses and daisies. And following Christ is difficult. It's challenging. It's challenging because the other side of that promise that he told his disciples, if you will face difficult times in following me. Why? Well, because the world hates Jesus. And if they hate him, then they're going to hate you. It's not because of you. It's because of him. That's going to cause this conflict. That's going to cause this tension within your life. Sometimes that's with would be with strangers, but also sometimes that can be within your own family dynamic, your own family unit. But we have to trust him at his word. He says at the end of the gospel accounts, there's this great commission where he he commissions all of his followers to go and make disciples, teaching them the word, baptizing them. There was a little promise that he added to that, that I think makes all the difference within our lives today. He says, he commissions them, and then he says, I will be with you to the end of the age. I will be with you until the end of the age. Trust him at his word. Know that he cares for you. Know that he is there with you. I know that in this life, things may not go as you think they ought to go. But that doesn't mean you, you, you stop trusting Jesus. That doesn't mean that he's not trustworthy. He is always faithful. He is always trustworthy. And it must mean that his plans are not our plans. And I would much rather trust in his plans, even though I don't understand them all the time, I want to trust in his plans and not mine, because he sees the bigger picture. As I make this great proclamation, verse 11, I just want to go through this one because it it closes out this, this little story here. It says, so Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he's making observations. He's taking little notes, right? This very same temple that he had already cleaned out at the beginning of his ministry. Now this is the end of his earthly ministry. And he's back, and he's taking notes. So as he looks around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. All right, so beautiful story, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. By way of Jericho. Now, that's not old Jericho where the walls came tumbling down. This would be new Jericho, okay, with blind Bartimaeus and then the preparation with the colt, the donkey, and, you know, getting that ready and fulfillment of the prophecy on this exact day when it was talked about, you know, prophesied from Daniel chapter nine. And there he rides into town. Other gospel accounts let us know that even as he's riding into town, that I think it's Luke's gospel account that he weeps. Because why? Because just like the crowd, Jerusalem didn't realize who was actually showing up on that day. Then he goes right to the temple, and he makes notes. Because the next day, he's going to show up, and he's going to clean out that temple, thus making the religious leaders all that much more angry with him They were already part of this story. Mark's account doesn't let us know that. But the other gospel accounts let us know that the religious leaders were telling Jesus, tell your people to be quiet. And that's where Jesus made that great proclamation. If they're quiet, then the very stones will cry out. Like You can't stop this. You can't stop this. This is what was talked about in the word. This is what was was predicted to happen. And this is what has happened. And the religious people, instead of celebrating this fulfillment, They were angry with Jesus, and they're going to get even more angry with him the next day when he drives out all the money changers and all that good stuff. But we'll cover that next week. Our main thing today is this, guys. We need to, number one, trust Jesus at his word, Okay, Trust him at his word. And in trusting him at his word, we can celebrate who he is. He is the conquering king. He is the Messiah. He did come to save. He did come to die on the cross for your sins, For my sins. He took all those upon himself. And he died on that cross. But then they buried him in a tomb. And and he rose three days later, conquering sin, conquering death. And then 40 days later, he ascended, sit down at the right hand of his father. And in the meantime, we know from John chapter 14 that he is preparing a place for you and I, right? As, as As the groom preparing a place for his bride, he is making preparations for his bride. And all, all the while, while that's going on, he never stops interceding on behalf of you and I, his kids. So my encouragement for all of us is trust him at his word. He is who he said he was. And place all your faith, your hope, and your trust in jesus and be like blind bartimaeus who i once was blind but now i can see now that's not him who said that i'm not saying that at all but i'm saying may that be the the expression of your heart
0: We're so glad that you joined us for a look at the Gospel of Mark here on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James will continue to take you verse by verse through this New Testament book about Jesus. There's so much to learn. We pray that you've heard something today that's drawn you deeper into your relationship with the Lord. Do you have questions about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus? Well, we would love to hear from you and talk more. So go to BreadForTheBroken.com and click on Contact to leave a message for us. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Or if you're in the Galveston area, we would love to get to know you in person too. Join us on Sundays or Thursdays as we study God's Word together at Calvary Galveston. You'll find service times, more information, and directions at our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? A lot is done to get these teachings out on the radio. And we're so grateful for those who feel led by God to contribute in that way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find the Donate link. We'd also like to ask you to be praying for us and for your fellow listeners. We can all use God's guidance and continued grace as we navigate this world with Him. Thanks for praying. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can also find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for tuning in today to Bread for the Broken.